In a world full of deceit, telling the truth has become a revolutionary act. To get near to the truth, one must understand that while controlling the narrative, it's not entirely too forward thinking that they could also be simultaneously controlling the counter-narrative. Welcome to another podcast. Hello my friends and welcome to the show, a place where we can all gather and discuss what's happening in our world without the nagging fear of censorship, so far anyway. Today I'll talk about a few discussions making their way around the internet of things that barely seem to reach mainstream media and those that actually do can easily be a counter-narrative and counter-narratives, along with narratives, can be controlled quite easily by the elite's tool, the mainstream media. So, Russia and Ukraine, for instance. Are the narrative and counter-narrative being controlled by the World Economic Forum and its plans to usher in their great reset? Putin's actions took us all by surprise in the last couple of weeks. And in the last podcast, I explained what's actually happening there and why. But with a lot of searching and research, because I'm always researching and searching for new evidence, new evidence has actually emerged. And it turns out that Putin went through Klaus Schwab's school for global leaders. That could change a few things. Is Putin controlled opposition? To understand this a little better, you can learn to see propaganda for what it is and how to spot it. But unfortunately, very few people in the general population can separate propaganda from reality. If they could, the world would be a far more peaceful and a better place to live. Five simple rules of propaganda. Simplification. Now, simplification into black and white, good and bad. Two. Disfiguration, that's the discrediting the opposition by crude smears and parodies. Three, transfusion, that's manipulating the consensus values of the target audience for one's own ends. Three, or was it four? Unanimity presenting one's viewpoint as if it were the unanimous opinion of all right-thinking people. And finally, orchestration, endlessly repeating the same message in different variations and combinations. We live in a world that's made up of fake people. We eat fake food. We take fake medicine. They can even manipulate the weather, fake weather. We'd have to listen to fake news, read about fake history. We'd have to go through fake pandemics and now fake revolutions and fake spirituality. And we wonder why people hate the truth. My God. I was very shocked to hear this news, but it is true. 
Putin did go through the global leaders school, Klaus Schwab set up in 1992. Um, and let's hear it from the horse's mouth. Then this is Klaus Schwab's, one of his interviews, and he's talking about it. And I have to say, um, when I mention our names, like Mrs. Merkel, um, even uh, Vladimir Putin and so on, they all have been young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. But um, what we are very proud of now is a young generation like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, President of, of Argentina and so on, that we penetrate the cabinets. So yesterday I was at a, at a reception for Prime Minister Trudeau and I would know that half of this cabinet or even more half of, uh, half of this cabinet are for our actually young global leaders of the world. And that's true in Argentina too. Wow. Yeah. Sorry. That's true in Argentina as well. It's true in Argentina and uh, it's true in France now. I mean, with the president, with a young global leader, but what is important for me? Now, that was an interview with Klaus Schwab. Now, did you notice him saying they penetrate the cabinets? So if we just rephrase that, what he actually means is we infiltrate world governments. So an online newspaper that I enjoy reading, and it's pretty good, is uh, The Expose. One of their headlines this week was, COVID and Putin are not a threat to your freedom. People like Klaus Schwab, Bill Gates and Justin Trudeau are. So after two long years of unabridged media-induced hysteria, the pandemic narrative finally began, began losing steam only to be replaced by the latest bogeyman in globalist crosshairs, Putin and his Ukraine war. Shortly before all this happened, Bill Gates was forced to admit that the battle against COVID had definitely been lost, as far as the pharmaceutical industry was concerned anyway. However, the war against future pandemics continues unabated. What a frightening thing that Bill Gates is predicting now, listen. So at the Munich Security Conference, it revealed that sadly, the virus itself, particularly the variants called Omicron, is a type of vaccine. That is, it creates both B cell and T cell immunity. And it's done a better job of getting out to the world population than we have with the vaccines. His belated confession is what everyone with a half-functioning brain knew from the outset that vaccines are absolutely powerless against rapidly mutating coronaviruses and that nothing beats natural immunity, as confirmed by an Israeli study last year. However, Gates is nothing if not persistent, immediately predicting a new pandemic on the horizon and an even deadlier pathogen, thus confirming that he and his cohorts will be keeping busy with their comprehensive plans for our collective well-being <laughs> and will not be abandoning their agenda to compassionately rule over our collapsing planet. Yeah, right. I, I just cannot trust Bill Gates in the slightest. And I've tried hundreds of times, giving him the benefit of the doubts, 
but a little research and you just dig up bits of shit after bits of shit on him. So that leaky SS Corona is quickly sinking. It's already been confirmed by, uh, was it Stephanie Bansell, the CEO of Moderna Therapeutics. Now that's the second largest manufacturer of the mRNA vaccines. And it's pretty much owned by Bill Gates, who recently sold company shares worth some 300 million and quickly deleted his Twitter account. Other directors followed suit and sold their Moderna stocks, whose value has fallen 72% since August of last year. Now, prior to that, and below media radar, of course, news seeped out of India that the country's authorities had denied Pfizer's request for approval of their COVID-19 vaccine, signifying that their COVID serum is absent form. Uh, the two biggest world markets, India and China, as well as Russia. The drug regulator stated on its website that it's unable to recommend the vaccine due to the numerous side effects reported abroad, as well as Pfizer's refusal to generate safety and immunogenicity uh, data in domestic Indian studies. One of these side effects is myocarditis. It's probably one of the main ones. It's, it's been seen in thousands and thousands of people. Footballers are dropping like flies all over the planet, if no one's noticed. Um, so it was confirmed in a study published by the Journal of um, American Medical Association, JAMA, and disclosed by the Israel National News under the headline, New Study. So you're at 133 times more at risk of myocarditis after a COVID-19 uh, COVID vaccination. The Ministry of Health of Israel, the pioneer in administering Pfizer's experimental vaccine, had on February the 9th issued the results of a survey recording adverse effects in those who received the third shot, which had revealed that two-thirds of them reported health problems. Two-thirds of them? That report was quickly removed from the ministry's website. Indian authorities presumably noted the fact that Africa, where only about 6% of the population is vaccinated, counted the fewest infections and had practically eradicated the virus. Also, the Indian state of Uttar Pradesh, with uh, 230 million inhabitants, has successfully treated COVID patients using ivermectin. Same as Japan, a drug that costs less than $2 for a five-day treatment. While developed countries rely heavily on uh, what's called remdesivir, or however you pronounce it, which has been shown to be a largely ineffective and toxic drug whose five-day treatment costs over $3,000. So while Bill Gates and his cohorts are busy preparing their new deadlier pathogen, public attention has been diverted to the events in Ukraine and the long-planned war involving Russia. The media line is that the Russian bear has awoken from its slumber and suddenly decided that now is the perfect time to chop off another chunk of the Ukraine soil. However, that fairy tale doesn't hold an ounce of water as Russia was in a perfect position to capture eastern Ukraine with little or no resistance when it reclaimed the Crimea Peninsula back in 2014 
without a shot being fired. The Ukrainian military was much weaker back then though, and their two attempts to forcibly reclaim uh, runway Donetsk and Lugansk republics ended in miserable failure. It certainly ain't been lost on Russia that NATO has since supplied Ukraine with military equipment and training valued at about $3 billion, so that a war now will end up being exponentially costlier than eight years ago. Russia had, in 2014, turned down the recognition of the two republics, but it could no longer ignore the constant shelling of the mostly Russian civilian population, with almost 14,000 lives lost since the start in 2014. It was also left with no alternative after US and NATO categorically refused Russia's security demands and exclude the possibility of a future Ukrainian accession to that organization, NATO, thereby forcing Putin's hand and his recognition of the two republics on February the 21st. Western organisations show direct influence on practically all spheres of life in the Ukraine. There is no independent statehood in the Ukraine. Everything depends on what Westerners say. Western organisations get so involved in Ukraine to struggle against corruption, but nothing has been flourishing in Ukraine but corruption lately. That's what Putin said. Foreign advisors are in charge of the Ukrainian intelligence services, the USA and NATO have proceeded to openly develop the territory of Ukraine as a theatre of military actions. NATO plans to conduct a number of major military exercises with Ukraine as a cover to build up its military forces in the country. This is what Putin is saying. NATO has established a command centre in the city of Ochakov to be able to target and destroy Russia's black fleet. <clears throat> the USA and NATO had similar plans for the Crimea, but the people of the Crimea disrupted those plans. NATO has come too close to Russia's borders, and the appearance of military infrastructure in Ukraine is a question that has already been decided. NATO wants to come to Ukraine to be able to strike Russia hard, and all of a sudden, Ukraine will be used as a platform for this attack against Russia. From Ukraine, NATO will be able to control all of Russia's territory to the Urals. Tomahawk missiles will be able to fly to Moscow in 35 minutes, whereas NATO's ICBMs will be able to reach Moscow in five minutes. Remember, this is what Putin is saying. NATO has for years unabashedly worked on setting the Ukraine trap for the Russian bear, but the media inevitably downplayed the, uh, these obvious machinations, disparaging Russia's alarm about the nefarious activities on its borders. The scenario eerily parallels the subterfuge preceding World War I, with the expectation that the world powers are now armed with nuclear weapons. So the scenario really does parallel the subterfuge preceding World War One, 
with the exception that the world powers are now armed with nuclear weapons, like I said. This being the reason why Russia desperately tried to find a way out, it eventually became clear, even to prudent Putin, that if Ukraine and her mentors had sought peace, they would have, uh, they would have, you know, long ago implemented the 2015 Minsk uh, Second Agreement. That treaty was approved by the UN Security Council, making it mandatory for all the signatories, including the UK and the US, to abide by its conditions. But they insist, uh, but they instead supported Kiev's, you know insistence for a centralised nationalist state, rejecting the promised autonomy for Donetsk and Lugansk. In any case, it's not Russia which occupied Ukraine first, as that distinction goes to the the US, which had spent roughly about $5 billion organising the violent maiden revolution and the uh, overthrow of a democratically elected president at the time when Russia was preoccupied preparing for the Winter Olympic Games in Sochi in February 2014. Severe Russian sanctions forced Germany to halt the Nord Stream 2 pipeline certification, despite the fact that this gas will uh, will be of vital importance to its economy due to the imminent closure of the remaining German nuclear power plants. If a nuclear exchange can be avoided, the only country benefiting from this war is the US, which will tighten its grip on Europe, and NATO, which has for three decades been searching for a raison d'etre. In an interview with film director Oliver Stone, you remember him, the guy who did JFK? President Putin disclosed now back in year 2000, he was rebuffed by Bill Clinton when he proposed that Russia enter NATO. The West always need an enemy. In the absence of a real threat, an artificial one will just do fine. And their goal now is to financially weaken, isolate and destabilise Russia and create maximum domestic uh, discontent within the population and resistance to Putin by the oligarchs, eventually returning Russia to the 90s when uh, Yeltsin surrendered the country at the mercy of the Western capitalist vultures. For good measure, Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum had previously announced that the world shall soon face a comprehensive global cyber attack, which will inevitably be blamed on Russia tantamount to a declaration of war. Now, to me, all this, everything Putin said, it sounds like the Cuban Missile Crisis, but in reverse, if you think about it. Russia putting nuclear weapons into Cuba, next door to America. America didn't like it. World War Three nearly kicked off. Uh, they both stepped down in the end. JFK and his Russian adversary, or Soviet adversary. And it's happening now, but in reverse. Knowing all this and seeing evidence Putin went through the School for Global Leaders, run by Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum, are we to see a pattern emerge as we drift from one emergency crisis to another? So it seems. 
the narrative and counter-narrative are being controlled by the same entity. The elite, whatever you want to call them, seem to create a crisis then offer the solution. Covid didn't quite work it seems, as now we look forward to the next emergency crisis, and then the next. Immersing ourselves in literature stats, real science, not bribed science, and a few news channels trying to get the truth out. All to stay one step ahead. All we want and all we seek is the truth. Until next time. Toodle fucking do. Just as a little advertisement to a friend. Any Everton fans out there, go and check out Mark Watkinson's The Everton Way. Now I'm a Birmingham fan, but I thought as Mark is a listener, I'd do him the courtesy of listening to his podcast. And I thought, what a great podcast it was. So well done, Mark. He's got some great Everton lads on there who really know about the beautiful game. So go and check it out.